0: Biotech believes its platform technology can enable the engineering of virtually any function into any cell type and allow for a new world of cell therapies to revolutionize the treatment of diseases. As its name implies, it does this by squeezing a cell to momentarily disrupt its membrane to allow it to insert a range of substances— We spoke to Armin Cherie, CEO of Squeeze Biotech, about the company's platform technology, its initial focus on oncology and autoimmune diseases, and the broad potential for this approach. Armin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about Squeeze Biotech, cell therapies, and the company's platform that has the potential to develop a a new generation of cell therapies for a wide range of diseases. Let's start with the platform itself, which can provide a way to disrupt the cell membrane to place a range of materials within the cell. Can you explain what exactly you're doing? Sure. Um,
1: And I think kind of to help contextualize this, it really comes down to what is the fundamental problem that we're solving that ultimately lets you create this whole generation of cell-based therapies. And it comes down to a really basic fundamental aspect, which is being able to deliver a wide range of materials into cells really actually makes you able to engineer many different facets of their function. And so ultimately, it really allows you to say, how do I make a cell do what I want it to do? Uh, and that's been something that has certainly been a challenge uh, for the field for a long time. And The basic discovery that we had in the lab was that, simply enough, if you take cells and run them through a microfluidic constriction at high speed, so imagine you have a cell going through a pipe and it goes through a really narrow tunnel that ends up squeezing it, hence the name of the company, that really rapid deformation of the cell ends up disrupting its membrane temporarily such that anything that's outside can diffuse in, and the cells then detect these disruptions and seal them back up. Um, So while really basic, this allowed us to start to load all kinds of materials into all kinds of different cell types uh, and really opened up the biological doors of what you can then uh, go and engineer about these cells to create effective therapies. And the other nice dimension of it was that because it's such a simple approach, it's really lent itself to rapid manufacturing, um, where right now it can take weeks to create a cell therapy for a patient, but for us already, for the first implementations we have, it takes us under a day um, to do this. So ultimately, we think by addressing these problems, we can really do something fundamentally better than what people have done so far.
0: The original intent of what you were doing wasn't for therapeutic applications, What were you trying to do, and and how did you come to recognize the therapeutic potential of what you had discovered?
1: So, initially when we um, had kind of discovered this phenomenon, which had an interesting backstory in and of itself, we um, started the company with the vision of providing this as a tool to a wide range um, of academics and people in the industry to really help enable others kind of in an open source type format to create these new cell therapies um, in a way that were inaccessible with their current technologies. However, that being said, we ourselves had a really significant interest in trying to see what where we could apply this therapeutically. And I personally was always really motivated by trying to have a big impact for patients. So once through our own internal and academic collaborator efforts started to understand more and more what we can truly do with the technology and how we can engineer certain mechanisms for potentially profound therapeutic effects, we ended up switching the direction of the company um, towards the therapeutic side. Um, And we can certainly get into it, but right now we're focused on oncology as our lead area where we're working on these squeezed APCs uh, as part of a partnership with Roche. But then beyond that, we have our own internal programs in oncology, as well as work that we're doing in immune tolerance, so trying to shut down immune responses for diseases like type 1 diabetes.
0: Well, what do we know about the effects of this approach to the ability of the cell to function and perform?
1: So you're actually bringing up a dimension that um, kind of can be underappreciated as far as what you want to be conscious of when you're trying to generate a cell therapy. So oftentimes you'll think about, okay, I want to add particular function X to a cell, so I'll just use my delivery mechanism and uh, cargo to make the cell do this. But preserving normal cell function is a critical facet that, again, current approaches really struggled with, where what we showed, and it's actually in a paper that we published towards the end of last year in PNAS, what we were able to show is that with some of the existing systems people use, for example, electroporation, uh, where you use an electric field to basically zap a cell and get material inside it, you end up dramatically misregulating internal cell functions such that these cells do not behave normally thereafter, and they become deficient, and their ability to to secrete factors or kill tumor cells, etc., whereas with squeezing, we were able to keep the cell function very close to normal with what we did, and it ultimately reflected that this was a much more uh, gentle treatment for what you're doing, and hence not only can you now engineer a lot of aspects of these cells that you couldn't have with these prior techniques, but you can also keep the cells otherwise normal, Um, and therefore really allow them to carry out their function effectively.
0: How broad a potential does this approach represent?
1: So obviously I'm biased, but I think this would be transformative to the entire field of cell therapies. And I think kind of taking a really 10,000-foot view at this, if you think about the progression of therapeutic modalities over time, people started with, small molecule drugs, and then ultimately the more recent wave has been biologics where people figured out you can use proteins as effective therapeutics and how you would scale that. And I think the next wave really is going to be cell therapies where by comparison to a small molecule or biologic, a cell is this big sophisticated biological machine that can do so much more than any relatively basic small molecule or biologic can Now, the key to making this universe of cell therapies a reality is not just the idea of doing a cell therapy. It's how can you actually tell these cells what to do and how can you manufacture them in a scalable way. And I think Squeeze really underpins that fundamental necessity to be able to make these cell therapies a reality. And I think the analogy to the past would have been originally when people started to do biologics, It's not that suddenly someone woke up and decided it was a great idea to inject proteins into patients. Um, They had been doing that for a while and extracting it from placentas or animals, et cetera. What was truly transformative then, which underpinned kind of the titans of that industry now, was the development of recombinant DNA technology, where they actually made it a lot more feasible and practical to design and manufacture these biologics at scale. And so to us, the breakthrough we've had on the fundamentals of cell engineering is analogous to that, where having overcome that kind of gating problem, you can now start to create many cell therapies that can have dramatic effects across disease areas.
0: We've certainly seen a number of immunotherapies come to market. I'm thinking here of the CAR-T therapies. What advantages do you see this approach having over CAR-T therapies?
1: So I think thinking kind of to what are the series of constraints that have led the field um, to CAR-Ts, I think the great thing about CAR-Ts is that they've shown that a well-executed self-therapy can truly have a transformative effect. So with these patients that previously were unfortunately doomed to uh, die, you now have a treatment that can be transformative for the majority of them uh, in a way that no other drug could have. And so that, I think, was a fantastic demonstration of what a cell can really start to do that distinguishes significantly from biologics and small molecules. Now, that being said, there's a lot of limitations with how these cell therapies work today, And it's a function of their limitations and what kind of biology they can access. Um, So with CAR-T-like approaches, or generally what people do in cell therapies today, they tend to be really limited in what disease types they can go after. Um, So primarily right now people will target B-cell malignancies, which is less than 5% of what causes patient deaths in oncology in the U.S. They tend to have serious safety concerns where People certainly get hospitalized to the side effects of this, and sometimes patients can die from the side effects. Uh, and finally, there's this issue of accessibility and cost, where the manufacturing time involved with CAR-T therapies and the cost associated with that really limit the access and practicality of administering these. Now, collectively, these all, I think, come down to the limitations of what, that current manifestation is for CAR What we're working on is mechanistically very different, where we're engineering APCs, which are antigen-presenting cells. If you think about physiologically how your body mounts an immune response, um, let's say when you catch a cold, what happens is that you have these antigen-presenting cells, which are kind of like the generals of the immune system, um, that are going to take up viral antigen and display it to your T cells, which are analogous to your foot soldiers. And these APCs, when they display these antigens, they cause activation of these T cells, and these T cells will then go and hunt down any infected cells and destroy them. Now, going back to the case of cancer, people have really struggled in the past to engineer APCs effectively, even though In many ways, physiologically, they're the most relevant cell type to go after. Like, ideally, you would want to be engineering the generals effectively as opposed to the foot soldiers. And with Squeeze, because we can access these cells and engineer them more effectively, we should be able to create treatments that can ultimately go after almost any tumor type, do it in a much safer way, and with a far shorter manufacturing time. And I'm happy to expand on any of those Dimensions, but that kind of is what it fundamentally comes down to is that by being able to engineer many different aspects of cells, you can make the most rational biological choices as to where to go. Wherein in this case, you try to engineer the generals that are then going to marshal the rest of the immune system to go and attack the tumor. In contrast to trying to do a very limited, uh, somewhat artificial engineering of the foot soldiers in the context of something like CAR T, which can ultimately really limit their range of applicability and has um, associated problems in the context of safety and manufacturability.
0: Does this technology have the ability to act in other ways uh, other than modulating the immune system?
1: It does. Um, So one of the, in a a way I guess it's a nice problem to have, but one of the greatest challenges of, bringing squeeze to the therapeutic sphere and applying it there has been just the really, really wide range of applications you can think about. Because if you're kind of truly unencumbered in what you can make a cell do, your mind can run wild with all kinds of ideas. And so our initial focus based on kind of our assessment of where we can have the greatest impact and the technical risks were most understood – we ended up really focusing in on immunology and specifically applying it um, to the high need area of cancer. Uh, but that being said, you can go beyond immunology ultimately where we've talked about cancer, but we can apply this to shutting down immune responses in the context of things like type 1 diabetes or other autoimmune diseases. But zooming out even further, you can think about cell therapies for many different applications if you are truly unhindered. So there's the massive world of regenerative medicine as it relates to uh, tissue regeneration or trying to uh, generate organs for replacement. Uh, and you can even start to think about concepts that people aren't really <clears throat> pursuing today. So, for example, kind of to just get really out there, could you ultimately engineer a cell to home to the brain and secrete an anti-Parkinson's factor, for example? Uh, these are all things you can start to imagine once you have access to the sophisticated biological machine that is a cell and can really flex your thinking beyond the basics comparatively of what a small molecular biologic can
0: achieve. In that world of indications, would that include possibly enzyme replacement therapies? And would it be uh, an alternative to viral vectors for delivering gene therapy into a cell?
1: So you could certainly start to think about uh, enzyme replacement therapies as well, and um, as you probably know, there's companies out there today that try to engineer cells in that direction, um, sometimes using red blood cells for that purpose. Um, as it relates to gene therapies, I would say addressing a um, kind of developmental genetic defect is probably going to be one of the trickier things for a cell therapy to do, even in kind of this uh, preferred universe of you can make a cell do whatever you want, because it would probably be pretty hard to have one cell go in and change the genome of another cell um, <clears throat> in order to ensure you could correct this. So in that sense, um, there's probably kind of a practical balance of it might make more sense to use these AAV-based therapies and some of those areas for gene therapy and these relatively rare diseases. <clears throat> that being said, I think, again, to kind of illustrate the power of cell therapies, you can dramatically enable some of these therapeutics where one of the greatest challenges in gene therapy right now is immune responses against the vector. And it's where repeat dosing, at least, becomes a huge problem for that field because the moment you dose with a gene therapy, the body will mount an immune response against that particular gene therapy vector and, hence, really hinder your attempts at retreating later. That being said, with cell therapies, there's multiple strategies you can think of where you can try to modulate immune responses in a target-specific way. So you can tell them so you can specifically shut down an immune response against that vector, for example, and therefore allow repeat administration without having otherwise compromised the patient's immune system. So you very specifically shut down the response that's causing trouble for that one gene therapy vector, but otherwise your defenses are largely unhindered.
0: Given that you're a preclinical stage, company. You entered into a what I would call an impressive collaboration with Roche. This involves your lead therapeutic targeting HPV positive tumors. What does the agreement with Roche provide for you, and, and what does this mean?
1: So Roche has been a fantastic partner for us from the relatively early days, where um, we originally did a collaboration with them um, kind of in our formative years, almost uh, four years ago now, uh, where we started to work together around this concept of APCs. So that example I was talking about with the analogy of the generals and the foot soldiers, what we had shown at the time is, again, having overcome some fundamental challenges and the ability to actually engineer APCs effectively. Um, so we had started to work together then and more recently expanded that collaboration. What we've really been trying to think about for the long-term future of the platform and really aspiring to create a whole range of cell-based therapeutics that we can bring to patients down the line. For a platform company, it becomes really critical to think about when do you work with a partner and what do you do on your own. And while many of the things we ultimately want to do, we want to carry all the way ourselves, Roche was really a strong partner for this initial indication area, especially given their expertise in oncology and forward thinking on how you would really want to implement a effective, scalable generation of cell-based therapies. So in that relationship, we've kind of put our heads together and resources together to really bring forward this APC concept at first into... Um, these head and neck and cervical tumors that are HPV positive, um, so already from the get-go going into solid tumors that you can't address with existing cell therapy strategies, and use that as a strong proving ground to then go and start to apply this to other tumor types uh, where having demonstrated the concept of using these APCs as a strong uh, CD8 T-cell generating therapeutic you can then start to apply this uh, to many other tumor targets and go into many indications beyond that.
0: And when do you expect to begin human clinical trials?
1: So we're going to be starting our trials this year um, with this program.
0: What have you learned about the technology from the preclinical development, and are there things you've had to tweak?
1: There's been a lot of learning. We've certainly gone into uncharted territory, with what we're doing. Uh, so the, the origin of the, the, origins of the technology itself were certainly a serendipitous find where originally we were, um, aiming to create a gun-like system that could shoot materials into cells. Um, and this concept kind of intuitively at least makes a bit more sense than squeezing would have at first glance. Um, and through the course of trying to develop that approach, we ended up observing that just squeezing the cells alone can create uh, the desired effect of being able to load all kinds of materials into it. And I would say so. the, the birth of this was a unexpected learning event, and there's been many uh, events since then where really trying to think about how do you design these, constrictions and how do you design these devices and parameters to get effective delivery across a whole range of cell types um, has been one of the key attributes. But I would say the biggest area that we've really prided ourselves on on developing a deep expertise in is what I would call cell engineering. So the art of the art and science of how do you tell a cell what to do um, and the factors you need to think about as far as kind of what is the state of this cell, what kinds of materials do I want to put in, if I have different options for these materials, what are the pros and cons, how do you ensure that this is something that's a scalable approach ultimately um, that can be implemented in a really practical way um, for a patient down the line. And I think that's really the sweet spot for Squeeze is um, understanding and effectively engineering these cells today uh, and then in the longer run, it's going to be that piece plus how do you then implement these processes in a scaled-out manufacturing format that can address thousands or even millions of patients um, <clears throat> across the globe and what is the clinical development approach that got you there and how do you ultimately just make these cell therapies have an impact because it's certainly not trivial to go from exciting scientific observations to ultimately changing someone's life.
0: You mentioned some of the thought process you went through in prioritizing your potential development you could pursue, but ultimately, what do you think the most compelling use of this technology is going to be? I don't know yet. Uh, (laughs) I think
1: to be in some ways sufficiently self-aware, I guess, I think we're just in the stone age of what cell therapies can be. Um so if you ask me today, I'm kinda of, we're obviously extremely excited about what we're doing with APCs and oncology and if that shows the results we hope for in the clinic, it could be absolutely transformative across many different indications. But um as with any really new area, it's hard to say what the biggest, most impactful pieces of this would would ultimately be. Um And I think just even showing that success in the very first application of it could be profound relative to what's out there. So unfortunately, I don't have a specific enough flavor of it, but it's just because I think realistically this is just the beginning of um, what you can really make cells do and how they can uh, be applied to many, many different diseases.
0: Armin Cherie, CEO of Squeeze Biotech. Armin, thanks so much for your time today.
1: No problem. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.